Well, good morning. It's kind of crazy up here if you can't tell. Get a good workout running back and forth. Uh, it kind of reminds me of the old days uh, in college group. They used to give me a hard time because uh, when I first started, I, I would uh, do the worship and then I'd run into the skit closet, change my clothes, and I'd be one of the ones in the skit. And I'd do that and then I'd run back in the closet, take all the clothes off, come back out and teach and uh, run up to the sound booth, change the sound, do the lights. I, I kind of did it all. It was a little crazy. And so they called me the one man show. And uh, so it's a little crazy up here this morning, but it's, it's been such an awesome morning and it has been an incredible week. Uh, it has been a while since I've sung with the kids. I used to do one a long time ago, and I forgot how joyful it is. Uh, I know many people have thanked me, but really the pleasure has been mine because these kids have so much joy, and they really just remind you to just take it easy and just relax in life and just have a good time to sing and to jump around. And uh, someone was asking me if it was going to kind of be hard this morning singing with them and then coming up here to preach, and I just thought, no way, because it will just loosen me up a little bit. Um, These kids are amazing, and they did such a great job throughout the week. Um, so it's a, a pleasure to be here. Uh, they asked me to come back. And since the last time I spoke, things have been really awesome. You know, God just continues to work in my family. Uh, my little sister is back from Tennessee. She's over here. Um, God is just moving in her life. And just so many incredible things that are happening um, with everyone um, that I am just in contact with. Some days just seem really amazing when you just get to experience God. Well, uh, let me uh, pray really quick and then we'll kind of jump into the passage. Father God, we uh, just come before you and and, uh, as we just jump in this morning, may we uh, just be reminded as we watch the children sing that you call us to a childlike heart and a childlike faith. And may we come before you this morning just ready to learn like children. Uh, Father, you uh, are just an amazing God and your word has so much for us. And we just pray that it speaks to us this morning. We just pray this in your name. Amen. Let me share a passage with you. It comes out of First Kings chapter 19. It's verse 3, if you want to turn there with me in your Bibles. It says this, Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. For I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. Well, this last few weeks, I've kind of just been looking at the life of Elijah. And uh, there's a group of guys that I meet with and we're going through the uh, just through the life of Joshua as well. And one thing that I've discovered or have just been constantly reminded of is that one of the beauties of the Bible is that there are so many uh, stories and characters and passages that that just meet us where we are and they just speak to us. Do you get that? They meet us where we are and they they speak to us. This book, from beginning to end, the pages are just filled with lives that when we take an honest look at them, they're really not that different than our own. Sure, you know, there's a great time period that separates us. But really, the book is filled with many human beings just like us who did incredible things, yes, but were human nonetheless. I know in my life there are several characters that come to mind when I... Uh, just think of the Bible characters that I really relate with and I feel that I just have a connection with. For example, Jeremiah, obviously, we share the same name. And so he's cool because <laughs> we share the same name. <laughs> then, uh, of course, I was thinking, you know, well, then there's Samson. You know, I mean, Samson, I just feel like I have a connection with because, as you know, him and I we have just been blessed with a, a big amount of strength that we just physical strength that we just 
really don't know what to do with. So anyway, that's not true. But as a matter of fact, Samson was given uh, uh, an incredible gift from God. And he did, he did great things, but he also made a lot of unwise choices in his life. And um, that's where I feel like I can kind of connect with Samson. Then there's Moses, of course, and there's many people that I always say, Moses, I, I feel a connection with because, as you know, Moses was very timid. He was shy when God came to him. He was just like, no way, God, I'm not going to go lead all these people out of Egypt. And he was very stubborn. And, and so a lot of people always come to me and they're like, so do you think that you'll ever get in the ministry or, or that you'll ever get into preaching? And, you know, I think back on the life of Moses and kind of what he went through and I think back to the, the years that I've spent here. And all I can say is, you know, with everything that I've seen here um, and that sometimes our pastors go through and and our teachers, there's no doubt in my mind why God had to use a burning bush to convince Moses to go ahead and do this thing. Because at times that's what you feel that it's going to take to get you out of your seat um, because you feel so overwhelmed by what God is calling uh, you to do or calling me to do that you just think there's no way, God. And so I guess there's times I wait for that burning bush. Um, but one, one such individual who, whose life and story I, I frequently return to um, and story is the prophet Elijah. And he is, as many of you know, is an incredible prophet, uh, just a powerful man of God who just did so many things for God. Uh, but God really used him to speak to Israel and to bring them back. They were kind of half-hearted, um, kind of worshiping different gods. And so God used Elijah to bring them back. For those of you maybe that aren't familiar with Elijah, just know that he had an incredible resume and reputation. Uh, For example, he was uh, known for things such as being fed by ravens, which is kind of crazy. Uh, He also, uh, at different times uh, in his life, called down fire from heaven. Uh, He was responsible for a drought uh, in Israel at the time uh, that lasted for three years, so I'm sure that really didn't add to his popularity. Uh, and of course, we know him as the prophet that was swept away by God in a whirlwind and and just on a chariot of fire. But you know what? Elijah's reputation doesn't end uh, with his life. It carries even into the, the New Testament. Many of you uh, uh, know that uh, John the Baptist was said to have had the spirit and the power of Elijah. And with Moses, Elijah visited Jesus and some of his disciples on the mountain when Jesus was transfigured. And what I thought was interesting is that there were many that thought John the Baptist himself was Elijah. And even more, there were many when Jesus asked his disciples, who do the people say that I am? They replied, many think that you're the prophet Elijah. So this guy was big time and he was very revered uh, in Israel. And I'd like to stand up here and say that I have a connection with Elijah because I too have been fed by ravens or I can call down fire from heaven or... People mistake me with Jesus, um, but that's not true yet. Um, but, <laughs> but, you know, I, I, I wish I could say that he was an incredible guy. But there's another side to Elijah that I feel like I connect with. It's a more it's a weaker side and a more human side, uh, a side that we see portrayed in this passage. At this point in his life, Elijah is not calling down fire from heaven. He's not standing on the mountaintop. He's a, he's running scared. A threat has been put on his life by Queen Jezebel, the the wife, the wicked wife of King Ahab. And she's a little upset because Elijah had 850 of her prophets and priests put to death. And so she sends a messenger and she says, Elijah, may the gods deal with me ever be ever so severely. By tomorrow, I don't have your life for theirs. 
So Elijah gets this message and he freaks out. And so he runs. He leaves his, his servant behind. He runs through the wilderness. He finds a tree. He crawls underneath it. And in verse 3, he says, I have had enough, Lord. Take my life. The story doesn't end there. An angel helps restore his strength. He gets up. He travels through the desert for 40 days and nights. Crawls into a cave. And there God approaches him and says, Elijah, what are you doing here? And again, in distress, Elijah calls out. He says, I have been zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. As we see and imagine this picture in our head, we we get the idea of what's going on. Elijah is tired. He's discouraged. He's defeated. Exhausted. Maybe a little depressed. He's feeling insecure. And he's obviously full of doubt and fear. He's ready to call it quits. And the ironic thing about this story is that this is so far removed from the Elijah that we're used to reading about and hearing in the Bible. As a matter of fact, shortly before these events happen uh, in, in the previous chapter of 1 Kings, we see Elijah on top of the mountain. And this is the superhero Elijah. He's up there and he's standing strong. He's taking on the 850 prophets and priests of the Canaanite gods. And he's standing before them and he's standing before King Ahab, who also has it out for Elijah. And all the Israelites are gathered around. And I'm sure they're not too happy with him because of this drought that's been going on. And so you can imagine the odds are stacked against him. But we don't even see him really break a sweat. He's confident. He's strong. He's full of faith and power. And it's kind of funny. He even has a little sarcasm because he taunts these prophets and priests. Two different Elijahs, one on top of the mountain, the other one underneath the tree. And these events, there's such a short amount of time in between them. Makes you scratch your head and say, well, what happened? But I have to ask you, it sometimes sounds like life for us, doesn't it? On the mountain and then in the valley. A little over a week ago, a group of our high school kids went on a backpacking trip in southern Colorado. And uh, it is really uh, the first day we try and warn the kids. The first day is grueling. Uh, It's just tough mentally. It's tough physically. It'll really exhaust you. And so we encourage them to lighten their packs and just do everything they can to prepare themselves. Because there's a hill um, that you have to climb that sits at the base of a 14er. And it's not, there's not a great distance to the top, but it's just a very steep incline. And the air up there is very thin. And so fatigue sets in quickly. And so we tell them to pace themselves. Well, any of them that went will tell you it, it maybe is one of the toughest things that they've done in their life. But when you get to the top, there really is no greater feeling in the world. I mean, you get up there and, and your lungs are screaming and your legs are about to buckle and... And you feel like you're going to throw up because the altitude sickness and immediately you're immersed in like a million flies, you know, just buzzing around you. It's kind of funny. Just a story with that really quick. There was a girl that went with us and we were kind of glad she went because wherever she went, the flies just kind of seemed to follow her, (laughs) you know. And so we kept telling her that they know, you know, who the first one to go is going to be. So they just kind of follow. It's kind of a sign. (laughs) And she she kind of just laughed with us. But really, there are flies all over you, but you really don't care because you feel like you just climbed Everest. And you got your granola bar and, you know, a lot of them jumped in their sleeping bag. And you're just enjoying the experience because the view is just beautiful. And it's, it's, it's awesome. And you wish you could just stay up there all day long. But unfortunately, we don't stay up there. 
the entire day. We have to descend down the other side to get to our camp. And the moment you take the first step down the other side, all those warm, fuzzy feelings that you had on top are gone. Because you've got to go down, there's a lot of shale and loose rock. And uh, then you've got to go through this big rock field that seems like it never ends. I always told the kids, it's just right over that rock. And, you know, they hated me by the end of the trip because it wasn't really over the rock. It's just a long boulder field. And then when we started going down, it's hailing and it's raining and you're wet. And by this time, you're running out of water. You're tired. You're exhausted. Your ankles are getting twisted. Your knuckles are getting crushed. And you're getting, your legs are just scratched up. And honestly, there are times throughout the trip that you just want to lay down on the rocks and just be like, just tell the vultures to come get me. You know, I can't make it. And you just try and tell people to move on. But I share this with you because it's such a a great picture of, I think, where Elijah was at spiritually. One minute he's enjoying life and just really connected with God. And the next minute he's just he's down in the valley, just feeling exhausted. It's such a great picture of what, again, life can be for many of us. From the mountaintop to the wilderness, from security to abandonment, power to weakness, certainty to insecurity. There are moments when I'm standing on on high, even in my own life, when I just feel like I'm just really on fire for God and just just experiencing incredible things. And then instantly it seems like things can change. I mean, isn't it crazy how all it takes is just one wrong word from someone, one heated conversation a sour gesture, a bad day, or an uncontrollable circumstance, and all of a sudden the tide in our spiritual lives just changes. And the mood in our heart becomes cloudy. The enemy attacks. The loneliness sets in. We begin to doubt ourselves. We begin to doubt God. We feel overwhelmed. Sometimes it becomes unbearable. And like Elijah, we just say, I can't handle it. You know what I'm talking about? Just those times that crawling underneath a tree or under a rock just really sounds good. When you just want to say, God, I'm done. I'm done. Earlier this summer, I had an Elijah moment. um, And it actually, uh, actually I had a couple Elijah moments, but one maybe profound one. Uh, Again, this earlier this summer, we we went to New York with our high school group. And uh, I'll just start off with saying that it was an incredible trip and it was very successful. Whenever you don't leave kids in Manhattan uh, or on the subway somewhere, it's always successful. Uh, <laughs> so it's, it's a great trip. And I will tell you, honestly, there are, not, there are not a lot of places that I feel like I experience God than on these trips. I've been doing these for 10 plus years and, and people ask me if they ever get old. And I say no, because every year it's just God does incredible things. He works through so many lives and you just really see his power. But also there are times when your heart just breaks and where you can hit kind of rock bottom. These trips are all about sharing our lives. And that's what we try and tell these kids that when you go, we just want to get to know each other and to build each other up and just strengthen each other. And you know, as well as I do, that when you get to know someone, you not only know their strengths, but you get to know their weaknesses and you see the struggles that they have. And it can kind of just wear on all of us. There was one girl... uh, who I spoke with um, as I was just thinking about some of my conversations. There was one girl I spoke with who just really can't seem to catch a break in life Uh, for most of her life. And especially the last maybe four to six years, she's been bounced back and forth between a mother who's uh, who's a heavy drinker and just strung out on drugs and a father who's kind of been in and out of her life. Uh, Not too long ago, she lost one of her older brothers whom she was very close with to a very tragic and uh, terrible death. 
And ever since then, she's really had to kind of figure life out on her own. She's just been kind of groping in the dark, to say. She's struggled with many things, with self-mutilation, with self-hatred, depression, and suicide. And I will tell you this, that her survival this far is really an act of God. But she's, I feel so many, you know, as I talked to her, I just felt that she was hanging by a thread. Another young man I spoke with one particular night was just broken. And as I sat across the table from him and just listened to his words and just watched him just bawl his eyes out, again, my heart was just moved because at the age of 15, instead of experiencing the joys of youth, he's screaming inside to find out who he is. He's lonely, he's tired, he's lost, and he's confused. He comes from a broken family, which I believe has contributed to much of his loss of identity. He wants so badly to be accepted, to be loved, to be told that he has meaning in this life. And that was what our conversation was about, is that he just allows people to beat up on him, to pick on him, because he loves that attention. I fear that if he doesn't get the love of God from us, that he will turn to the world which we know the consequences of those actions. Another girl who I spent, uh, who I talked with uh, throughout the trip just has spent the last couple of years of her life standing between her parents, um, watching their relationship just kind of dissipate. She's had to listen to both of them say things about each other that aren't very nice and has almost had to carry the weight of the family on her shoulders. At least that's what she feels. It breaks your heart that someone at that young of an age has to carry so much of a burden And we wonder why our kids are angry, they're bitter, they're lost, and they're lonely, confused and in despair. Finally, another girl, you know, I could go on and on, but another girl that I hung around with struggles with intense anger and battles with hurt. And she never told me that, but I could just get it from the way that she just shut herself down from people. And the anger that she was feeling inside, she projected on other people just through very vicious and hurtful words. And you learn to just see beyond the words and look into the heart and just know that that there's struggle in there. There's pain in there. And it just rips you apart. Again, on and on I could go story after story. And I just remember sitting one night on the train and just feeling exhausted like Elijah. I just was like, God, you know, what is going on here? I was looking out my window and and during that time we were passing through Iowa. And as you know, during uh, earlier this summer, Iowa was going through some intense flooding And we just happened to be passing by some houses and yards and cars that were just submerged in water and abandoned. It was getting dark outside and in the distance you could see an orange glow from the sun, but it was it was just it was giving way to darkness. And I just remember thinking everything that I'm looking out out and seeing outside right now is exactly what I'm feeling on the inside. Just drowning in despair. Because. I'll be honest with you, you know, you spend a lot of time pouring your life out and just fighting for, for our youth and for our little kids. And you, you just feel that you, you, you tell them so much that God loves them and that he cares for them and that he has meaning for them and that he has a purpose and that he wants to use them and that there is life with him. But no matter how much you fight for them or just speak to them, that the enemy just comes on stronger and he tells them that they are worthless, that they are shameful, that they have no purpose. You watch before your very eyes as the enemy just takes them and he chews them up and he spits them out. And you're left picking up the pieces with them. After a while, it kind of wears on your heart. And so I was just <laughs> literally hoping to find a chair to climb under. or I even actually thought about going down to one of the Amtrak bathrooms. But I thought, if I go down there, I'm surely going to die because they don't clean those things out. And I don't, <laughs> don't want to die. I just kind of want to wallow a little bit. Um, 
But I was just, I was feeling it. And Elijah's story just hit me like a train. Because I wanted to crawl and just get away. The day we left Manhattan, we attended Times Square Church. And what a beautiful church and an incredible service. Tired and exhausted just from everything that was going on, I, I just sat there as the music played in the background and, and my lips were kind of moving to the worship, but my mind was just distracted by just all these thoughts that I was having and, and thinking about our kids and our youth. And, the, and, you know, when you're in Times Square, you get a taste of just our culture and, and the life that they're going to be raised in. And it, it just kind of scares you a little to think of the world that they're about to inherit at times. Well, about the third or fourth song in, the band and the choir began to sing a song that I've been, uh, I've grown very fond of over the last uh, year or so. And I just want to share with you the lyrics, and it's the song that I sang earlier. The chorus is this, Savior, He can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save. Forever author of salvation, He rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. When Elijah was laying in his cave... God pulled him out and he spoke to him in a little whisper, if you remember the story. And as I heard the words to this song, to this chorus, God instantly captured my attention. And the words immediately melted my heart. I I began to weep. Over and over, all I could hear and all I could cry out while they were singing the song was, My God is mighty to save. My God is mighty to save. My God is mighty to save. And as I prayed these words that morning and as I sang them in the days that followed, I felt God speaking to my heart. I I heard him saying, just remember, remember that when the Israelites had their backs against the wall, when they were enslaved and there was no hope, I went in there and I pulled them out and I led them with a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And when their enemies pursued them, I opened up the waters and provided a safe passage And when their enemies got closer, I swallowed them up in the sea. Why? Because I am mighty to save. I am mighty to save. And he kept saying to me, remember my servant Elijah. When it was 850 to 1, he called upon me and I sent fire from heaven, consuming the altar. I brought my people to their knees and I turned their hearts back to me through one man and surely if I can do it then I can still do it now even to those that you love to those that your heart is broken for even in your own heart remember Elijah he said remember I have the power to move mountains whether they be physical mountains like the ones you see out there or spiritual mountains like the one that you're standing before right now because I am mighty to save remember I am savior the author of salvation who rose and conquered the grave Death and sin. There is nothing, absolutely nothing that can separate you from me. Not death, nor life, angels or demons. Not the present, the future, the past, nor any powers, no height, no depth, or anything else in all creation can separate you from my love. Why? Because I am God and I am mighty to save. That is the message I bring this morning to all of you. That no matter how strong the enemy fights against us our god fights stronger he is mighty to save though defeat seems near the hand of our god is near and he is mighty to save it doesn't matter how much darkness pushes against us because the light of christ will always shine brighter when death seems to have our number when pain has has numbed our hearts when evil rears its ugly head we have nothing to fear why because our god is mighty to save 
church, do we believe this this morning? As you sit this morning and perhaps feel as Elijah did, that no matter how hard you fight, no matter how loud your voice is, that the enemy seems to come on stronger and he seems to fight harder. Do you feel weak and numb and in despair at times as you look to our world and just say, is there ever an end? Is there ever peace? Is there any rescue? Let us be reminded of this. We serve the author of salvation and he is mighty to save. As we come back to our story, remember that Elijah, the story doesn't end with Elijah dying underneath the tree or in the cave. God lifts him up and says, God, Elijah, the work is not done yet and you are not alone. And the incredible thing is that God doesn't get frustrated with him because he understands that there are those times that we hit in our lives where we just exhaust ourselves. And he says, Elijah, there's work to be done and you are not alone. There are other prophets out there whom I will use. And God saves Elijah and through Elijah, he saves his people. God saves me and God saves you. Do you believe that? The story continues for Elijah, just as it does for us, for you and I, if we would just turn our heads and our eyes to him and believe that he is savior. If we will just lift our eyes to him and just know that he is mighty to save. If we call out to him and say, God, we need you, not just in our personal lives, but in our youth programs, in our adult programs, in our church as a whole. As a church, as we gather, do we believe this message that as the world presses upon us and darkness surrounds us, that we have nothing to fear? That we can stand up and say to the world that we have no fear because our God is mighty to save. And he gives us that power to take to the world. Psalm 18 says this, the Lord thundered from heaven, the voice of the most high. And I'm going to call the band up here. The voice of the most high resounded amid the hail, uh, amid the hail and the burning coals. He shot his arrows and scattered his enemies. His lightning flashed and they were greatly confused. Then at your command, O Lord, at the blast of your breath, the bottom of the sea could be seen and the foundation of the earth were laid bare. Heaven, uh, excuse me, he reached down from heaven and rescued me. He drew me out of deep waters. He rescued me from my powerful enemies, from those who hated me and were too strong for me. They attacked me at a moment when I was in distress, but the Lord supported me. And listen to this. He led me to a place of safety. He rescued me. Why? Because he delights in me. As we leave this morning, know that God delights in you. He delights in us as his church. And like Paul and Elijah and many of those throughout the Bible, though we are battered and beaten and just in distress, God reaches out and there's no place too far, too deep that God's hand cannot reach. This morning, as we sing this song one last time, I would just like for us to just stand and sing together. And maybe if you don't want to sing, I encourage you just to pray. As a high school group, there are times on Tuesday nights where we just put our arms around each other and just pray for one another because we know that life is hard at times and going into school, they need that prayer. But just as they need it, so do all of us because the stress of life can bring us down as well. But pray these words as we sing, our God is mighty saved, believe it and ask that God's hand would come upon us and that as Elijah prayed that the fire of heaven would come down and the people's hearts would be turned back to him. May that happen this morning with us, that we will see God and our hearts will be turned back to him. Stand with me, please.
Yeah. 
pray as we close this morning. Lord God, you are incredible. And the psalmist gives us such an incredible picture of who you are. You come thundering down from above and you rescue those who love you, who call upon your name. Why? Because you delight in us. Lord, as we just look around us and into the world outside, as so many things just become uncertain, as we feel just overwhelmed by the pressures of life, spiritually just trying to hang on, may we just remember these words that you, O oh Lord, are mighty to save. You are the author of salvation. You rose and conquered the grave. So those that believe in you have nothing to fear. But they can lift their eyes to you and know that there is hope. Hope that you will rescue, that you will have the last word. Lord, we come before you and just ask that you turn our hearts to you. We thank you and we pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you, Lord, this morning.